Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. I apologize for no long hello. It's a early morning Thursday and I got up early to be on the radio with uh, Bill King, who's part of the 247 Network, and then Chip Brown, our, one of our guests today, to talk about USC and Stanford. Um, so we thought we'd get Chip on. I jumped into the office a little bit early, so I don't think my voice can handle a long hello. So I apologize for that, but uh, so like I said, we're going to talk USC Texas preview that game uh, with Chip Brown. I'll have a segment later on in the show where I'm answering all of your questions. I'll do a solo show. So we had questions and answers with uh, Harvey Hyde this week, Dan Weber. We did a premium for subscribers only podcast yesterday with Gerard Martinez. Make sure you go to uscfootball.com to check that out. And today I'll do, I'll do my best to answer all of your solo questions or your questions solo. Uh, that you've sent in. So tons of questions. We do appreciate all the questions you guys have been sending in. So I'll try to get to each and every one of those. If you want to send us a question, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address or our number is 424-254-9141. You can call or you can text. We do appreciate both of those. Try to keep them brief. Uh, if they're multi-paragraph emails or texts or two-minute voicemails, I can't play them on the air. Keep them under a minute. We got to keep it short. I got to keep things moving. So uh, but we do want to hear from you. This is a, a, a show that's driven by your questions, uh, your comments. So we want to keep it going that way. And, uh, you know, go on to iTunes. If you're, you know, however you subscribe, wherever you subscribe, go on there. We're on iTunes, iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. If you haven't left us, uh, feedback, uh, we do appreciate that. The show has been growing tremendously. We're, uh, we're so happy, um, with, uh, the number of people that are listening to the show. It's awesome. This is our 10th season. So, you know, being around a long time. Um, I think that's helped. We got another, we got a new show with, uh, uh, Family Feud with Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling, which maybe, uh, appeals to some of the millennials in the crowd, some of the younger groups. So, uh, it's a little bit of a younger demographic. So that's going to be coming up this week as well. We're doing five podcasts a week. If you would go in and leave, uh, positive feedback, that would be wonderful. A five star rating. Uh, tell your friends, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, anything like that. Uh, anything to, uh, help show the show grow. It's been, Obviously, it's been growing a lot, and you know this is another way to kind of keep that going. So leave us some positive feedback. That would be great. We're on Google Play and Stitcher Radio and Audio Boom and TuneIn Radio and all the different stuff. And like I said, if you if you find a uh, an outlet, a podcast outlet that doesn't have us listed there for whatever reason, uh, let me know. I try to make sure they're listed on all of them. All right, well, let's welcome in Chip Brown uh, from Horns Digest, part of the Scout and 247 Network. You can follow him on Twitter at ChipBrownHD. He is tied in. Tons of sources. He knows what's going on with this Texas Longhorn program and the Big 12 and, heck, the Pac-12. We want to have Chip in and talk about the game and some other stuff. What is up, Chip? How you doing, man? What's up, Ryan Abraham, my man? Dude, you have me up. Good bur- in Austin. I know everyone's excited to get uh, – to get into this, get into LA and get going. Some people are already there, partying their heads off. <laughs> I'm sure um, it's a uh, it's a big trip. It's a big game. I think a lot of tickets have been sold to uh, Longhorn fans. Uh, I expect a lot of burnt orange in the Coliseum this weekend. I think like twenty five thousand. Wow. I don't think that's. I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that would be a shock. The way I've you know the way I'm hearing the tickets being bought up, and I know people were calling the the USC box office trying to, to get tickets near the, the Texas uh, section. And from what I heard, the USC box office was very accommodating when Texas fans would call to buy tickets, you know, trying to get them seated near the, the Texas fan section. So it'll be, I think you're right, Ryan. I think there'll be a lot of burn orange in the crowd. Well, Chip, you had me up early uh, to do your radio show with Sean Adams. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. <laughs> Uh, coming here. I, I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast this early in my, uh, office, but we do, we really wanted to get you on this week. And, uh, my wife, Jana was like, you got to get Chip on. You got, I'm like, yeah, of course we got to get Chip on. And, um, you know, huge matchup, USC, Texas. Um, I, I, you know, for USC, 
they because they had the Stanford game last week, like that was so much of their focus because that's a you know conference rival. They've beaten them seven. You know, Stanford's beat USC seven of the last nine times. I think a lot of the fans were talking about it. I'm not sure as much in the team. What do you feel on the Texas side? Was this something that was kind of circled that everyone was looking forward to to week three, uh, even just coming into the season? For sure. And I think it was circled by Tom Herman and his coaching staff. I mean, they've done, you know, the coach speak of, oh, we we haven't prepared. You know, we prepare once the season starts. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> I think this game, I mean, think about it. Tom Herman is 6-0 against AP top 25 teams. And 3-0 and against top 10 teams uh, beat beat Oklahoma and Louisville both as the number three team last year at Houston, beat Florida State as the ninth-ranked team in the Peach Bowl in 2015 when Herman's team went 13-1 and in his first year at Houston. I mean, I think Herman's really proud of that record, and I, and, and I think he sees this obviously as a signature win along the lines of what Lincoln Riley was able to do last weekend at Ohio State. So, I think this is a game that has been circled by Tom Herman, his players. They know it's a huge opportunity. Uh, you're going on the road. No one expects you to win. You're a 17-point underdog. That's another time when Tom Herman tends to rise up. I've been I've been joking all week, Ryan, that, that Tom Herman loses the games he's not supposed to lose, but he wins the games he's not supposed to win. <laughs> so... The, the downside is the guy loses the double-digit dogs like nobody's business. Four of his five losses as a head coach have come to double-digit dogs, but he's 6-0 against the AP Top 25. So I think this is a huge game uh, in Herman's mind, and, and they're, they've been working on this. I think you'll see a bunch of stuff you haven't seen yet. I was kind of getting that feeling, and I, th- I think both teams, uh, you know, USC was in a struggle with Western Michigan, then kind of put things together against Stanford, you know, Texas struggles against uh, Maryland, and then uh, plays really well against San Jose State. Now, it's San Jose State, um, same geographic area as Stanford, but I think the caliber of football team is different. But what do you think improved? I mean, you see a lot of times it's the old adage, you see so much improvement from week one to week two. I think both of these teams did that, but what did you see improve from Texas from week one to week two? Well, the offense was completely different. I mean, they went from, and they can talk about how they fell behind by 20 in the second quarter to Maryland, but even before that, they were in a four-wide, five-wide spread offense with Shane Bouchelle, and they were trying to zone block, and he was throwing it a lot. Uh, in fact, 75% of the time he was, he was dropping back and throwing it with no play option. I mean, they did not establish the run in that game against Maryland at all. And Shane Bouchelle was running for his life. And that's not, that's not who Shane Bouchelle, that's not Shane Bouchelle at his best. At his best, he's, he's throwing the ball off play action. He's setting his feet. He's got a beautiful deep ball. We saw that from game one last year as a true freshman when he, you know, beat Notre Dame. And, and so there he was in this new, fangled, terrible, you know, zone-blocking offensive scheme, and they couldn't make third and two. They couldn't make fourth and two when it mattered, 11-20 left in the game, down three. They go for it after just getting smashed on third and two, run the same play to the right side, get smashed on fourth and two, and allowed Maryland to gain momentum right at midfield. They go down, they overcome third and 19, score to go up 10 and Texas couldn't recover. So the first big change that you noticed in the San Jose State game was it was Sam Ellinger, obviously a quarterback, and he's, he's mobile. He's a dual threat. They went to counter and power and two tights, and that's what this offensive line does best. That's what they ran last year and even two years ago under uh, Jay Norvell when Sean Watson was demoted. They had a very successful, well, it was Charlie Strong's signature win against Oklahoma. It was a shocker. Texas was 1-4. and four. They were seen as dead man walking. They go into the Cotton Bowl, and they run it 58 times for 313 yards and just dominate Oklahoma. Now, they only won 24-17, but Gerard Hurd ran it 21 times for 115 yards. Gerard Hurd is an electric runner, and... 
I think you're going to see Sam Ellinger and Gerard Hurd in this game against USC. I think you're going to see a lot of that same, you know, counter power. Um, that's what this offensive line does best, and I think it's their only hope to establish the run and and keep this game close. You know, it's funny. That's uh, that's what USC had trouble with in Week One. I thought uh, Western Michigan probably an underrated team. I mean, they won 13 games last year, but good offensive line, uh, good you know, a couple good running backs that could you know do damage. Uh, obviously, Stanford has Bryce Love. Um, we've seen the USC run defense struggle at times. Is so that's the kind of game plan you think's coming in, and and which quarterback do we know? Which quarterback is going to be the one that starts this game, and will that will it matter which quarterback it is? What kind of game plan uh, Tom Herman's coming up with? Well, they're they're being coy like they were last week, and and saying we'll we'll find out from Tom Herman tonight after practice. But he's typically been saying probably a game time decision. They've said that Shane Bouchelle's injured shoulder is progressing in their to have all three quarterbacks available for the USC game, but they're not tipping you know their hands in any direction about who would start the game. It wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me, Ryan, to see Gerard Hurd go out there first. I really? Think that would be wow. a surprise to everybody, including USC, and that's what Tom Herman needs. Um, now, I'm not saying he would stay out there more than one play or two plays. He might stay out there a series. If they're if they're moving the football, he might stay out there the whole game. But Gerard Hurd is an electric runner, and I don't know why they didn't move him to the quarterback, you know, when they could not get a graduate transfer quarterback in. Maybe they were worried Shane Bouchelle would, you know, see the tea leaves coming because all we heard was how Shane Bouchelle does not fit the style of quarterback and the style of offense that Tom Herman has been running with a mobile quarterback. And so now they've moved Gerard Hurd full full bore into the quarterback room. Now Herman said Monday, you know, this is temporary. Once Shane Bouchelle gets healthy, then we can move Gerard Hurd back to receiver. I'm not so sure that that will be the case. I mean, it's obviously everything is week to week day-to-day, game-to-game, minute-to-minute when you've lost your opener to Maryland and you're trying to to get this program back on a winning track. I think Tom Herman will do whatever it takes to win, and I think his best chance to win Saturday will be a lot of Gerard Hurd at quarterback. Well, that'll be interesting. I know USC's, uh, they, you know, they had trouble preparing for Western Michigan because they didn't really know they had, you know, new coordinators. They weren't sure which way they were going to go. They prepared for like three different kind of offenses. And, um, I know they've been running some, uh, they've taken one of the wide receivers, uh, Randall Grimes, true freshman and had, had him running some scout team quarterback stuff to give him more athletic looks. So that could be a, a advantage for Texas, not knowing what to prepare for. We've seen USC kind of struggle when they prepared for too much in the opener. Uh, maybe that something like that happens again. Well, it's what happened was. Once you've got the quarterback run game and you get the defense concerned about that, that opens it up for, for Chris Warren. And what we saw from Chris Warren, who averaged uh, over nine yards of carry in that, in that San Jose State game, and he's always averaged a high, uh, high, you know, he's averaged seven yards per carry in his career at Texas. 250-pound guy, the son of former Pro Bowl running back uh, Chris Warren Jr., he is He's a man possessed. I mean, I think he sees this. This is third year. I think he sees what Deontay Foreman did last year. They were splitting carries. All of a sudden, Deontay Foreman goes for 2,028 yards, becomes a third-round draft pick when his brother, Armonte, was the more highly recruited uh, talent out of Texas City. Deontay was the throw-in in that recruiting deal. And I think Chris Warren looked at Deontay Foreman's huge year last year and said, Okay, that's my year this year, contract year, and then jump to the NFL. So Chris Warren was a man possessed last week. I get that it's San Jose State, but you know he was hurdling defenders at 250 <laughs> pounds and catching the football, and, and that's a huge element in this offense as well. Duke Catalan caught 40 passes from the running back position at Houston last year. So I think Chris Warren – Again, with the with the mobile quarterback in there, either Gerard Hurd or Sam Ellinger, it helps 
unleash Chris Warren in the running game. He looks like an absolute beast, and uh, you know we'll see how USC's front's able to handle handle him. He's going to be a handful. Um, our buddies over at the Solid Verbal like to talk about like dude alerts for USC fans that maybe aren't super familiar with Texas. Who are the couple, a couple of the dudes that are just like this guy's a crazy athlete? This is a crazy football player. Uh, who are a couple of the Longhorns that you would say, say stand out like that? Yeah, well, in addition to to Gerard Hurd and and Chris Warren, number seventeen, the wide receiver Reggie Hemphill Maps, has emerged. He was a, he is a redshirt freshman, and he had a ninety-one yard punt return in the opener against Maryland, and he was suspended for the first half of last week's game for a team rules violation, and the coaches, you know, trying to get their culture established. Uh, Suspended him for the first half of that San Jose State game, but once he once he played in the second half, he just makes plays. I mean, he's liquid fast, great route runner, and he's he's a huge difference maker. He plays in the slot, which is a, a critical position in Tom Herman's offense because of the option routes and the ability to get matchups against safeties and linebackers. So, you know, he's another key playmaker for them and. And then on the outside, I mean, there's really three guys who are kind of interchangeable, and they're all huge. Colin Johnson from California, uh, number nine, is 6'6", 220. He's the son of former Longhorns All-American defensive back Johnny Johnson, and he's a big-time playmaker, uh, long wingspan, can really, you know, big ball radius. Also, Lil Jordan Humphrey, number 84, is a guy I think will play a key role in this game. I think they've put a lot in for him. We haven't seen it yet. I would expect to see it uh, this week against USC. And number eight, Dorian Leonard, another 6'5", 220 guy. So they've got huge receivers who can get deep down the field. And, those, you know, those are in the in the passing game. Uh, those are the guys to definitely keep an eye on at receiver. Uh, I think USC sort of struggled as far as special teams uh, go. They gave up a kick return for a touchdown. That just hasn't been all that crisp. I think that's one of the areas where I've seen some good things from Texas so far. What can you talk about Texas special teams and where you think there's uh, potential to, um, you know, make a big play and uh, you know, kind of switch momentum in this game if it, if need be. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting because uh, the defense, well, Reggie Hemphill Maps had the 91-yard punt return, but Texas right now leads the nation in non-offensive touchdowns with four. And they blocked a field goal, and, and Holton Hill, <laughs> Holton Hill, their starting corner, has three touchdowns. He's the leading scorer on the Texas Longhorns team. <laughs> a bunch of guys on offense with two touchdowns, but only Holton Hill, the corner, has three and he has two pick sixes, and he has the, the blocked field goal recovery return for a touchdown as well. And he's number five on defense in a, in a big-time player, obviously. He's feeling it. And But that secondary for Texas has struggled. And before I move on to special teams, I'll just hit the defense because I, I think the defense has been a disappointment under Todd Orlando. And it's, it's I think it's because he's got he's still learning his personnel, like, the guy who led the team in sacks last year, uh, Brecken Hager, number 44, is a wild man. He's also the son of, of the all-time leading tackler in Texas football history, Britt Hager, who played linebacker in the 80s. And they've been playing Brecken at linebacker, and he's a defensive end. I think you'll see him with his hand on the ground against USC, and that is a finally type of moment because anyone who watched Brecken Hager last year uh, when he became the team sack leader and tackles for loss leader, knows that he's got incredible ball get off with his hand on the ground. So we'll see how they shake that up. And number 33, uh, Gary Johnson at linebacker, who ran a 10 5 900, just a really incredibly fast, hard striking linebacker who did not play at all against Maryland, just exploded in the San Jose State game. Like, where, where was that guy? Uh, in week one. Uh, so I think you'll see him on the field much more at the weak side linebacker position. And you'll see Malik Jefferson, who's been a little overhyped, uh, hasn't made the plays 
that his talents would would seem to produce. Uh, they want him to take over games at times because he's a freak. He's a 240-pound linebacker who runs, you know, four, 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 five. And but he's, again, the plays haven't been there. This will be a big game for him in terms of here's your chance to to showcase in front of a huge audience uh, what you've got because he's another junior who could who could jump to the NFL. Um, so I think those are the key playmakers on defense. The other one is Malcolm Roach, number 32. He's a defensive end. He's had turf toe, so we haven't seen him kind of dominate the way that he did last year. We'll, we'll see if they, you know, can he's, that injury can linger the whole season. But 32, Malcolm Roach is another guy they think is an NFL player. He's a sophomore. And then, you know, special teams, Ryan, just to get to that, Texas had its own problems. I mean, they brought in a Juco kicker, Joshua Rowland, number 49, and he's 0 for 3 on the Ooh. season. Now, <laughs> he missed a 42-yarder, hooked it barely. Then he had a 44-yarder blocked and returned for a touchdown by Maryland. And last week he missed a 43-yarder. It was hooking back in from right to left, but it didn't make it. <laughs> so, it, you know, Herman is concerned because, uh, obviously, your kicker's 0 for 3 starting the season. Uh, so they'll stick with him, but I, obviously they may want to try and get him a field goal inside 40 yards to get his confidence up. Now their punter is a Ray Guy Award finalist. That guy's a lethal weapon, Michael Dixon. He he doesn't, if there's a threat of a return and they don't want the guy to return it, the guy will cough and corner it and it'll be out of bounds. And he, directionally, he's amazing. So that is a real weapon for Texas, and he can boom it. And then in the return game, Reggie Hemphill maps again, the number 17, the kid who had the 91-yard return on the punt return uh, against Maryland. He's special. I mean, he, he makes guys miss, and everyone knows a Dory Jackson out there. Uh, he's, he's Texas's version of a Dory Jackson. They haven't had a guy like him in a long time. It's funny, neither of these teams have made a field goal yet, Chip. Uh, USC hasn't attempted one. So, um, <laughs> yeah, and USC lost. So, it's funny, USC has a scholarship kicker, a scholarship snapper, and a scholarship punter. The punter was USC's punter last year, Chris Tilby. He got benched. Uh, he got beat out by a walk-on. And the walk-on's been doing really well, Reed Budrovich. Um, a, tr- a true freshman walk-on kicker beat out the scholarship kicker for field goals, but he hasn't attempted a field goal yet. He hasn't missed a PAT. But Michael Brown, who's a scholarship kicker, was doing kickoffs. He gets hurt uh, early in the Stanford game, and he's out for the year. So he's he's on the bench. So they're going to have – so they're kind of worried about who the backup kicker is now. And they're, they're superstar kicker – well, I don't know if he's superstar, but the, the great kicker they had from last year uh, had a Title IX thing, so he's off the team. He was a scholarship guy too. So they've had some turnover, I think, in the uh, special teams area. But it's funny that neither of these teams have made a field goal. So the first time – I don't know. USC hasn't attempted one. That means you know what that means, Ryan. It's going to come down to a field goal. No. <laughs> it very well could, Chip. I don't know. <laughs> um, I always watch. I like to watch special teams um, a lot, and uh, you know, USC is a team that I've been critical of because they spend scholarships on it. They practice it a lot. They have a special teams coordinator. So when they struggle and they're below average, I'm like, that's not right. Like you put too many resources into special teams. And to me, I think it's just a huge part of the game. Yeah. And Texas has been terrible on special teams under Charlie Strong, uh, even dating back to the end of the Mac Brown era. As I said, they, they have not had a threat uh, in the return game really since Jordan Shipley, who was on their, you know, 08, 09 teams that were so talented, and of course the 09 team played for the national championship against Alabama, but like the Texas route for the program itself, seven plus years, they haven't had an impact return guy in that whole stretch, and that that plays a role in the in the program's you know, seven-year nomad wandering through the desert uh, course that it's been on, so Texas now feels like it's special teams as a weapon uh, outside of the field goal kicking, which, again, I, I just, it would be so ironic if this game came down to a field goal. But <laughs> Texas has got to solve a lot of problems on, on defense and figure out a pass rush because right now 
you know, Todd Orlando is Mr. Blitz package, dial him up. He sacked Lamar Jackson 11 times last year in that win over then number three Louisville and, and sacked Baker Mayfield five times, strip sacked. He fumbled once in the win over OU last year, but two sacks this year, both of them late in the fourth quarter. And Texas is 123rd in tackles for loss right now. Todd Orlando's not happy about it. He's still trying to figure it out. So even if there are lineup changes or personnel changes during the game, he's kind of learning on the fly against maybe the best quarterback and the best offense in college football. So that is definitely advantage USC. Yeah, we'll kind of see how that uh, plays out from there. It's got a really interesting matchup to me. Um, there was a, so a little bit of controversy, I guess, when USC put out their release notes, I wanted to get your take on this, um, <laughs> that they're, they're, you know, the, the release note says USC's 4-0 against Texas and, you know, causes kind of uprage. Um, our buddy who covers the PAC 12 for ESPN out here, Kyle Bonagora did a pretty good story kind of explaining and, you know, talking to USC SID about it. The funny thing is USC's never pushed back on anything the NCAA does. Like USC fans hate that that they never fought any of this stuff. Um, but the, the NCAA said, hey, you vacate all games from that season, you know, from that season, explicitly, you know, ex- they expressed that all games, even the, the loss to Texas. So USC puts that in their media guide. They take out all mentions of Reggie Bush. Whatever the NCAA said to do, USC has done. So it's kind of funny that it ca- created all this controversy. Um, USC fans aren't happy about because they don't like, you know, all those asterisks are not even, you know, just not mentions and they can't even talk about Reggie Bush. Um, what was it from the Texas side? Like, how did this all kind of come about and cause a firestorm and all that? Well, I think, I think they thought it was funny, you know, that, that, you know, they're four and oh, and the one, the one asterisk is the national championship game. Of course, that's <laughs> the biggest game in the last 35 years, 40, no, stop, 50 years now. It's been 12 years since that game. And, and I do find it funny that Fox is pushing that whole revenge aspect to the television broadcast Saturday night that, you know, payback and all this. I mean, these players for, for USC and Texas, they don't remember that game. I mean, they might have, <laughs> it, 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 what were they, 10? I yeah. mean, so it's, it's funny. I mean, the fans, fans absolutely make a bigger deal out of everything than the players and the coaches because they're fans. It's short for fanatics. So for, for Texas fans to see that USC doesn't, acknowledge that that game whether the NCA mandated it or not they just find it funny or something that they can laugh at about USC and you know for USC fans it's uh I, I don't know I mean it, it's kind of I guess in a good way you know they don't have to remember that game or whatever I mean everyone remembers it because it was just everyone remembers flipping it. great game I mean we did a poll this week Ryan on Okay, favorite moment from that game. And there are so many moments from that game. I mean, obviously Vince Young, fourth and five, the national championship on the line, touchdown. But, I mean, Michael Griffin's interception, where he barely gets his toe inbound. If USC scores there, they go up two possessions and might have broken the game open. And it was right near the goal line. Uh, Reggie Bush's lateral that ends up getting fumbled, that Michael Huff recovers. I mean, the... And the Vince Young pitch to Selvin Young where USC fans have made T-shirts saying Vince Young's knee was down. Right. I mean, think about all the different moments from that game. It's, that's what makes it so special, so memorable, uh, because there was so much talent on the field that night. 30 for 30 on it, for crying out loud. Right. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be – I've never been to the Coliseum, so I'm excited to be seeing this game at the Coliseum. Yeah, so, so just for the Texas fans listening, look, it, it was not um, intended shade. USC is not that sophisticated where they would do that. Or so, <laughs> so it's not, trust me, it's not a per- USC fans would love it if they were trolling Texas, but that unfortunately was not. Uh, yeah, this, this is unintended. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that, Chip? Kind of like, yeah, this, this is unintentional trolling. Yeah. Kind of like unintentional <laughs> comedy. We did, no, we, t- we talked to, uh, Chris Hawkins, who's like one of their more outspoken players yesterday, and he was kind of giving some eye roll. Hey, we're four zero against Texas. That would actually be trolling. Like that's he's now making a joke out of it and stuff. But the original yeah. intent was not. 
Um, one quick thing before you go. Uh, I mean, you were obviously all over uh, sports and everything when the, the expansion and uh, all the conference alignment stuff is going on. Is there anything new with that? Like USC fans and, and Pac-12 fans in general aren't real happy with Larry Scott and, and the way things are going here. Any big changes expected coming down the next five years or so? Anything weird you think is going to happen? Well, I, I do think that there was, I mean, there was a definite twist when Steve Patterson became the athletic director of Texas and, and he, he was assisted in that by a guy named Jeff Hunt, who is a Pac-12 media consultant and a very good friend of Larry Scott. He also happens to be a UT alum who went on to form a, a consulting firm called Pulse Point that was very successful. And so he became a, a very tight ally of then UT president Bill Powers, who is a Cal graduate and a guy who I think wanted the, the, you know, six schools from the, from the Big 12 or five ultimately when AM failed. But I think Bill Powers was in favor of Texas going to the PAC 10, becoming the PAC 16. And, and, and then it all fell apart. And, and then when Steve Patterson was hired as the athletic director, I'm sitting there going, wow. I mean, Larry Scott has a, an ally now as the athletic director in Texas. The problem is Steve Patterson has such a horrible personality that he couldn't even survive past 22 months in a guaranteed six year contract as AD. So any chance for a, a rekindling of, you know, Texas to the PAC 12 sort of died right there. I don't, I don't know that, that, um, we'll see the mass realignment, uh, anytime soon. I, I still feel like eventually the school presidents are going to figure out that the most lucrative, uh, television money is if the, is if the Power Five collectively bargains their TV rights, um, you know, in that 20, 22, 24 range. It's complicated, obviously, uh, but, if the presidents wanted it, they could they could break contracts across the board. The problem is Jim Delaney loves the Big Ten Network and loves that you know he built this empire. He'd have to disappear somehow, some way. And I think the SEC is actually more open to it than than you would think because there would be more money uh, even than what the Big Ten and SEC networks are making. The Pac-12 would love that. Now, Larry Scott would probably be like a rusty nail uh, in terms of trying to get him out of the way. So there's a lot of egos in politics that would be required. If that does not happen and we get to realignment in, in, with the TV contracts closer to, you know, five years from now, you know, I would keep an eye on Arizona and Arizona State because I, I think that, you know, I don't know if they would, consider moving to the Big 12, and no one even thinks that the Big 12 would be able to add anybody. But that would be interesting to me because I think that, you know, maybe they feel like they're not the uh, – um, I mean, it depends on how unhappy they are with the money. Yeah. With the fact that the Pac-12 network – I mean, the L- Longhorn network, LHN has more distribution than the Pac-12 network. That's nuts. How crazy is <laughs> That's nuts. And that was the sticking point, right? Like when Texas wanted to have their own network and Larry Scott didn't want that. Was that one of the sticking points, at least originally? Well, in, in 20, well in, no, in 2010, the Longhorn Network did not exist. That was the, that was ESPN wildly overpaying to keep Texas in the Big 12. I mean, that, that's what that was. Oh, no one okay. will ever, no single school will ever get a 300 million 20 year deal for their third tier television which is the worst football game, the worst basketball game, and the Olympic sports for one school, ESPN had to make it so lucrative that Texas would never leave that contract. Now, the sticking point, Ryan, is that that contract runs through 2030, and the the Big 12 Tier 1 and Tier 2 television contracts run through 25. And so... That's why David Bourne was so upset a year ago, and that's why the Big 12 had to, to look at expansion because Bourne was breaking 
furniture over the fact that the Big 12 can't form its own network, even though Oklahoma has a sweet deal independently with Fox. He, you know, he just didn't like Texas holding up everything. He didn't like that they couldn't have a Big 12 network that expansion, you know, was kind of held up by Texas, and and so they embarrassed themselves by exploring expansion for three months, and then ultimately deciding, nah, we're good. Could the the Longhorn Network, like, if it's, I mean, I don't know if it, you know, what how it's doing, but could it turn into the Big Twelve Network? Could there be something where Texas is compensated and that becomes like a Big Twelve Network? It would. It would have to require. ESPN, and it would have to require ESPN basically saying that contract will continue to exist and we will add in things around it. And that would mean Texas getting paid more than all the other schools. And I just don't know where the Big 12 is mentally on that because they had to sort of acquiesce to Texas back in 2010. If you'll remember, to, to save everything, you had the orphan five, uh, you know, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, and then Missouri saying, please, please stay. Don't break up. We'll, we'll give Texas, Oklahoma, and A&M more money than we get just to keep the conference. Well, then Texas started sucking. I mean, it's immediately <laughs> after LHN launches, Texas starts going in the tank, and football, basketball, and baseball and really has not recovered. I mean, basketball went 11 and 22 last year under Shaka Smart. And I'm not sure that Shaka is the answer, but LHM, you know, his tech is making 15 million a year in third tier television, and their programs are all terrible. So I think the rest of the Big 12 looks at it and says, man, do we believe that? And, and I, I don't know. I mean, Baylor's had its own problems, and whether Baylor stays. In the Big 12, you know, in five, six years from now, will depend on how they handle everything going forward. I think they're finally getting rid of the problems in that administration because it was it was more involved than it was more involved than just um, you know our Brown. That went way up the food chain, and that, and they just recently got rid of Reagan Ramsauer, the vice president. So I you know, I've been told was very involved in all the, you know, leaving the Title IX office vacant while all these assaults were happening. So, you know, Big 12 still got some issues to work through here. That's why they need Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman to be successful. All right, Chip Brown do a, does a great job with Horns Digest. Uh, check him out on Twitter, Chip Brown HD. Thanks so much for uh, spending some time. Have a good trip out here, and we'll see you soon, hopefully. Ryan, looking forward to it, man. Thanks for having me. No problem, Chip. All right, everyone else, hey, I'll be back in one minute. Going to answer some of your USC football questions. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. All right, we are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. I want to get to all of your USC football questions heading into USC versus Texas. But first, I want to talk to you about Blue Apron. So um, I don't know if you've heard of Blue Apron. You definitely want to check it out. Uh, we got a, a special offer here on the Peristyle Podcast. But um, if you want to try to eat healthier, you want to try to cook at home, uh, Blue Apron is a great uh, way to do that. So my wife and I have been doing this uh, for like a little over a year now. Uh, we've been trying, uh, doing different meals with Blue Apron. It's great. You know, we're busy and we try to get, uh, you know, we want to have a healthy meal at home. Blue Apron is a great way to do that. So it's really affordable. Uh, it's less than 10 bucks per person per meal. And they'll, the Blue Apron will deliver, uh, recipes or for the season. They're pre-portioned, uh, the ingredients. It'll make it delicious. It's easy to cook. So it's cool. Uh, there's a lot of variety. So a bunch of different things you can choose from. 
um, a lot of different recipes, uh, and you can actually get surprised by, by Blue Apron if you want to. So I kind of like doing that, just kind of getting a random meal and uh, seeing what comes. It's very flexible. Um, you can customize uh, your recipes each week based on what your preferences are. So they have uh, special delivery options that you could choose what you want to fit your needs. And there's no weekly commitment. So you get a delivery when you want one. So you might want one one week and not the next week. Uh, it's real easy, uh, step-by-step, uh, easy instructions to follow. So I'm holding one of them now. It's a, it's like a two-sided sheet, uh, with colored pictures showing you, you know, how long it would take, uh, what the ingredients are. It's very easy. So even if you're not a good cook, these are very easy to follow and it shows you what things are supposed to look like and at each state, uh, stage of the process. So it's pretty cool and, uh, they guarantee the freshness. And so they promise that every ingredient that arrives will be ready to cook. And if not, they'll make it right. So here's what you want to do. Um, check this week's menu and you can get your first three meals with Blue Apron for free, free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash peristyle. So that's three meals for free plus free shipping. So what the heck do you want? I mean, that's free. So that's nothing, no risk there. Uh, you'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash peristyle. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. The latest one I did was uh, chicken and meatballs. Um, it was really good. I'm a big meatball guy. So, uh, you get ground chicken and then you season it up and stuff and cook them. So I love uh, a big, I'm a big meatball guy. So, that's the latest one my wife and I did at home. It was great. So definitely get your first three meals free with free shipping. Blueapron.com slash Peristyle. Okay. So in this segment, I will do my best to answer all of your questions that have been rolling in. And there certainly have been a lot of them. I'll start with a text message question. Uh, this is Eddie and Whittier. He said, texting in today just to say how hilarious the call from Myron was. I believe his name uh, he's one funny caller. He certainly is. Uh, I was listening to the podcast at work and everyone was totally looking at me like I was crazy. Uh, quick question. Anyone on your team or yourself, when in the world is the Coliseum going to fix the pace of entering the stadium? It is absolutely ridiculous and awful. It's been taking 35 minutes plus to enter both games. And with uh, the announced report that Saturday's game versus Texas is sold out, I can only imagine how long it's going to take us to enter. How can we address this issue? Because I know Staples Center and other places do not take this long. Thank you, Ryan. And beat the Longhorns, Eddie and Whittier. Yeah, USC is uh, encouraging people to start to enter the stadium when the fireworks go off at the one-hour mark. Um, so what that means is they're like, hey, we know it's going to be a problem. Get in there quicker. I usually, while I'm in the press box, uh, I'm getting – obviously, I don't come in that late. I'm in the press box hours earlier. But um, I'm getting tweets. I'm getting – um, emails about people, you know, sending me pictures, what kind of a problem it is. It certainly is. Uh, it looks like a problem. I'm not sure, uh, what they can do. I know there was some construction on like a new, uh, gate over near the tunnel. Uh, I think the NFL stuff has kind of, um, put a wrench in things because they've, it's limited some of the places you can get into the Coliseum. There's new restrictions. Um, you know, you got to do the clear bag thing. There's a lot more hassle kind of going on. Uh, the only recommendation I have now is get it early. And, you know, if, if it's a problem and, you know, I would document it, show it like, Hey, it's uh, 45 minutes before kickoff. Here I am. Here's a picture of me in line. I'm trying to get in there early. Here I am getting to my seat at, uh, you know, halfway through the first quarter, something like that, like show them, like document it, send it into the athletic department and let them know I'm doing the right things. I'm trying to get in early and it's still a pain in the butt and it should not take this long. Um, so I would definitely do that and show them, uh, now the Texas game, they're going to say it's a sellout and it's an anomaly, but, um, I would do it. You know, they recommend an hour, you know, do it, Get, walk over an hour and document it and show them your recommendation didn't work. If that's the case, if it works, then, you know, that's great. We got an email from Mike in orange. He said, long time listener to the podcast. I started listening when they used to be numbered. I joined somewhere just around 100. Well, thanks for being a long time listener, Mike. And, uh, yeah, numbering just got, I think we're in the 400s and I was just, I stopped numbering them. Um, anyway, plus we're doing five a week now. Like, I don't know what the heck the numbers would be. Anyway, I'm going to my first game this year on Saturday. And I learned that live sports radio is not, is not at the Coliseum this year. Is there any way to listen to the game on the radio as a live simulcast without the delay? Um, 
He said, you can email me the answer. Don't You don't have to use it on the podcast, but we want to talk about it on the podcast too. Um, he said, thanks for the great service uh, you and your team provide. I really learned a lot from all of you. Uh, that's uh, Mike in Orange County. Okay, so here's the deal, Mike. So I've got a bunch of emails um, about this and people saying, um, you know, here's one from Bill. He said, just listen to your podcast with Dan. You know, I've been concerned about the radio broadcast and I've written you several times about it. I'm happy to say that 710, that's the uh, AM radio station, uh, USC flagship station in L.A., broadcast uh, both the, the first two games live. He found no delays at all. So thanks for the good job you and your staff do. I'll be lost without your podcast and rot. What the heck is rot, Bill? No, I'm just kidding. That's our friends over at Rain of Troy. Uh, they do a great job on their podcast too. So, yeah, so people have said through the first two games that uh, the live broadcast, it is broadcast live. Now, I have no idea why there's a, you know, FCC mandates that all, you know, broadcasts have to be um, delayed. Are they doing something separate inside the Coliseum that are broadcasting over the 710 the same? I, I don't, I just don't think that's possible. Is it a mistake? Uh, maybe I really do not know. This seems very, um, seems a little strange to me that it's broadcast live, but if you have an AM radio, turn it to 710 during the game and see if that works. Um, it's worked for other people, which I don't get. I don't understand how that is possible and maybe it's a mistake, but try it out and see. I know people have tried the tune in, uh, radio app and, that was a suggestion. I think someone from USC had told uh, me before, but they didn't quite understand um, how that worked. Uh, people that were using the TuneIn app, uh, according to the emails that I got, were saying it's like a 45-second delay. So you'd much. It's better to just listen. The TuneIn app is not for in the stadium. It's for you're in the car or something somewhere else. You can listen to the game, which is great, but it's going to be, you know, 45-second or something delay. Um, that's not the case with, uh, you know, the broadcast should be, you know, it should be like an eight second delay or so. Um, but people are saying that that's not the case, that they are getting it live. So try it out. That's the, that's what I would recommend. Um, I still have a call scheduled to talk to the live, um, sports radio people. I, I just haven't had time to kind of get more information from them. Uh, we put some stuff in the war room a few weeks ago, but I'll try to, I'll try to get some more information for you there. Uh, here's a voicemail question for you. Hey, Ron, this is Jay from Pomona. I'm excited. After watching USC game, we beat Stanford, and one of the key things I saw was that our our senior receivers stepped up. Jalen Green, Stephen Mitchell, after last week where everyone wanted them to get benched, including myself, uh, it was good to see them finally get in the game, make some contributions. Uh, Stephen, Smith, uh, Stephen Mitchell was scoring those two touchdowns. Uh, I want to say great time. Watching the game, uh, long time follower, keep up the great work and fight on. Hey, thanks for the call. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, I kind of felt it was going to be more of a youth movement of the receivers. And we saw, you know, breaking out Stephen Mitchell, those, you know, to find that hole in the back of the end zone twice and, uh, Sam Darnold having the confidence to throw it over defenders to get to him. He obviously trusts Stephen Mitchell. We saw a lot of Jalen Green. I thought there'd be more Tyler Vaughns. There was actually less Tyler Vaughns and more Jalen Green. And a lot of that had to do, I was talking to Shotgun about this, uh, at the, at practice yesterday. Um, he was on the field in the fourth quarter when USC was running the football. So, uh, they feel good about his blocking, uh, just his, you know, being a veteran out there. Yeah, it certainly helped. Now we'll see if it's a more open game. Um, if there's more scoring, if USC's got a wider margin of victory. Then we'll probably see some of the more of the young guys, but that was a tight one. That was, they were running the football a lot. They went with what they trusted, and uh, you saw the results. So certainly, um, you know, Sam Darnold having a, a rapport with Deontay Burnett was there. Uh, I think he has one with uh, Stephen uh, Stephen Mitchell too. So uh, we'll see. I still, you know, Tyler Vaughn's was my pick. I thought he was going to have a breakout. No targets in that game. Um, so. But he's a, he's a special talent, so I still think you're going to see more of him going forward. Uh, Neil and Manila, uh, great win against Stanford. Is the Rojo Carr duo the best running back combo in the nation? It's amazing when you couple it with the fact that Sam Darnold is in the same backfield. Thanks for fight on. 
Uh, they're definitely up there. I'm not, it's not like I've studied all the other um, running back combos, but there, there's some good ones. This was a special one. Uh, this one is really good. Um, to do that against Stanford, it pretty much means you can, you know, have the potential to do that against anyone on the schedule. So yeah, it's a, it's a special one. Okay. This is long. Dr. Sean said, this is my 10 year reunion. Maybe it's the joy I feel after we beat the third, but I feel inspired to write in tonight. I've listened to the podcast for most of the last decade and I've lurked in on the forums the past few seasons. Your coverage of our team is top notch. Well, thank you, doctor. Uh, despite being an, uh, being in Oregon since I graduated, I always feel compelled. I'm sorry. I always feel connected to the program. Reports and analysis are important pieces of covering any athletic program. Of course, you guys have been nailing these aspects for years, but it's the small things you make that make your product special. This evening, I sat down for the game and was able to relive the excitement I used to feel marching out onto the field for the pregame before the big game. And then after the game, um, while watching the band start their postgame show, the words to all hail rushed to my mouth. With them, memories of great games like beating Michigan in the Rose Bowl in 2006 to finish off my time at USC, or hard games like our triple overtime heartbreak in Berkeley my freshman year. Our alma mater always brings me great pride, and being able to experience that a thousand miles away is priceless. I really want you to know that. Uh, what you guys do is great. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work and fight on. Um, he says, uh, if you or anyone on your team is ever in Oregon and need any chiropractic or sport medicine rehab services, let me know. I have a strict free treatment policy for all Peristyle Podcast staff. That's Dr. Sean uh, up in Oregon. Thanks, Dr. Sean. Um, I don't think uh, I'm making the trip up. Well, there's no, no, there's no actual trip to Oregon this year. Maybe for the opening when uh, we go there next year. Uh, yeah, it'd be next year. Um, but so what he's talking about is uh, I was doing some Facebook live broadcasts uh, from um, the press box pregame. So it kind of shows you the team warming up. Uh, and then also... Um, post game when the team was on the field celebrating and the band was playing. So I tried to broadcast both of those things. I did broadcast both those things live for the Stanford game. And I plan on doing that for the Texas game as well. So we'll put it up on uscfootball.com. But if you want, you can like our Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash uscfootball.com, but you have to spell out the dot. So uscfootball, D-O-T-C-O-M. Um, go like our page there, but we'll do those live broadcasts. And we're actually going to do a live broadcast today as well with Shotgun and Keeley, um, answering your questions, talking about the team. So that should be fun too. So we do a lot up on Facebook and I'll try to do those on Facebook live and those will all be linked on uscfootball.com. So for, I know there's a lot of podcast listeners that don't, maybe, maybe don't go to the site that much. That's where we put up all of our great content, including these podcasts. So, uh, definitely go check that out. Um, Eric says another, uh, Oregon guy, uh, he's in duck country. And if the defense continues to perform as well as it did on Saturday, should the lack of turnovers and sacks be a concern? Uh, thanks as always, Eric and Duck Country. I actually talked to Clancy Pendergast about that, and they do drills trying to work on that. You know, only one turnover, I believe it's only one, uh, through the first two games. That was the pick six late in the game against uh, Western Michigan. Now, I think style of play, that, that has something to do with it. Uh, Stanford, you know, there aren't these wide open teams. These are teams that run the football. Um, they weren't throwing it all over the place. USC dropped, uh, Iman Marshall dropped a pick late in the game when Stanford had to open it up. Uh, they could have had another one there. So, yeah, we'll see what kind of, you know, with Texas too. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, a bit of a concern. Um, but as long as you're forcing teams to punt, it's not too terrible. The, the offense is good enough where you don't, they're not going to rely on turnovers, but a team like Texas leads the nation. Did you know this? Texas leads the nation. And, and we talked about this with Chip Brown in the earlier segment and uh, non-offensive touchdowns. Um, their leading scorer is a defensive player with a couple of pick sixes and a block field goal return for a touchdown. So um, you can certainly score on that, you know, with those aspects and you can get the offense a short field. They haven't needed a short field. They've had a lot of long drives, but you know, I don't think you can rely on that forever. Let's see, Jeff. Uh, um, turns out they were definitely sandbagging against Western Michigan, right? Uh, P.S. Did you secretly put out a casting call for wannabe voice actors? All kinds of crazy calls recently. Jeff, the math teacher in Fountain Valley. Uh, no, Jeff, we did not put out a call <laughs> for voice actors, but we've had some really funny calls. So we do appreciate those. Um, yeah, I, d I don't have the time to uh, solicit that kind of stuff. 
we want to get questions and uh you guys call in on your own so that but it's been awesome there's some really funny ones uh i don't know about sandbagging i would say partly on the offensive side you know sam Darnold getting used to the receivers was was a factor um him starting his first opener was a factor but defensively there could have been some sandbagging it was much more of a vanilla defensive scheme uh especially early in the game than what you saw against damper i think there was more exotic sort of blitz packages they did more stuff um move mix things up a little bit more so is that sandbagging eh, maybe um matt from woodland after watching all the blitzes on the defense and the 10 or 12 and th- 10 of 12 third down conversion rate i think we can say usc was sandbagging against western michigan your thoughts frank and sacramento um so we just kind of talked about that but I mean, yeah, you want to say, I, I don't think the third down conversions was sandbagging. I don't think they were not trying to convert third downs. Um, I think they were trying to, maybe they were trying to force the pass a little bit in the first game when the run was working. And I don't think they did that at all against Stanford. I think the, if when the run was working, they went with it and uh, you saw the results. And he also said, I know Ryan doesn't care about kickers. How bad is the injury to Michael Brown, Matt from Woodland? Uh, so he's out for the year. ACL, you'll see Reed Budrovich as a, a backup uh, kicker there. Um, but, you know, right now it's uh, Chase McGrath and, and you're going from there. Let's see. T-Dog. We love T-Dog. He said, what can I say? Rojo's ridiculous. Stephen Carr equals OMG. That means, oh, my God. Sam, damn old. <laughs> Deontay looked dang good. Our offensive line equals vicious. Chenna, da bomb. Uh, I think he's talking about Yuchenna. Uh, Yuchenna and Wusu, not, uh, Chuma Doga. Okay. Chenna the bomb. Uh, like AMPM, too much good stuff. I am so happy to be a Trojan right now. So here are the questions. Is USC back? Uh, is USC back? I think they're pretty darn close if they're not. Um, when you look at, you know, so USC, if USC can beat Texas, they'll have a 12 game winning streak, right? With wins over. Texas, Stanford, Penn State, Notre Dame, Oregon, UCLA, Washington. I mean, that's pretty darn good. So, yeah, they still got to, you know, win some road games. They're, they're really good at home. Let's see if they can uh, beat some of the Pac-12 teams on the road. Um, they, you know, it, it looks likely, T-Dog, that they're back. And two, can this USC team beat Alabama or is it too early to say? Uh, it's probably too early to say for me. I, I would still think Alabama would be favored in that game. Um, but USC would, uh, I think it would be a much different game than what you saw last year, especially depending on where it was played. We got, uh, Otis. Hey, Ryan. Let's just say, wow. I was not expecting that game. I was most impressed by the offensive line. They could sustain a running game and hold the pass protection. The new running game will help so much during the season. Fight on from Otis. Yeah. I mean, I think Sam Darnold's greatest uh, uh, gift in that is is having the run game along with him. He can do special things. He's just that good, but um, he doesn't have to do it alone because you got this great running game to go with it. And I think they're using it the right way. Uh, a couple more, and we'll end this off. Oscar and Irwindale. Hey, guys, as the game was drawing to a near, there were about three minutes left, and USC had possession of the ball. Nothing would have made me happier than to see Rojo or Carr Gash to that defense one more time to add another seven points on the board question. Uh, I mean, it pretty much did that. Rojo, you know, uh, catapulted into the end zone with less than five minutes left in the game, right? Um, somersaulted in. Question is, USC had a hard time. Uh, question is, USC had the time and chance. Why not? Oh, uh, so, okay, at that point, um, Clayton's not going to try to uh, embarrass um, David Shaw or Stanford or anybody for that for that matter. That was a hard fought game. They're not trying to run the score up or anything. That's not Clay Helton's mentality. So um, they scored, they put the game away and that was it. He said, this is a rivalry game, right? Or is it not in Helton's DNA to run up a score? No, it's a rivalry, but it's a respected rivalry. It's not a hated rivalry. And even, you know, even like the, you know, the, the 50 to nothing game against uh, UCLA USC wasn't going to run up the score at the end, but UCLA kept trying to do things. And then, uh, so USC did it, the, you know, right back. So I think Stanford had called off the dogs. USC wasn't going to not call off the dogs. So for the past 10 years, USC's endured some pretty bad losses to Stanford and no one can forget what's your deal game. 
For once, I would have liked to shove the ball down the Cardinals' throat uh, and just to return the favor. Maybe it's just me getting caught up in the moment. Either way, great win. Fight on Oscar from Irmendale. Yeah, I, I think in some of those cases, you're probably better off, you know, taking a knee. Um, that can be more of a demoralizing factor for uh, a team than, you know, a defeated team than the other team trying to run up the score where you can rally around and, and use it for motivation next year. Stanford's got to use motivation for next year that USC didn't do anything wrong. They out Stanford at Stanford. So, um, I, I, the, the way Clay Helton did it, I thought was perfect, but that's just me. One last one. Uh, question today isn't so much about football. I'm curious if you guys like Gerard, Coach Hyde and other sports writers were real fans of the teams you cover. To some, it may be just a team they were assigned to and others may be diehard fans. Not that it matters, but I'd like to know fight on SC less in Seattle. Uh, didn't leave a name, but SC less in Seattle. Um, I've explained this kind of before. And I think because of the nature, like we run, you know, I run uscfootball.com. It only covers USC. If you get a guy like, um, Zach Helfand, who's the LA Times beat writer or a uh, Gary Klein, who was the longtime LA Times beat writer. Um, you know, Gary, uh, played college, uh, he played professional baseball. He didn't go to USC. Um, little inside. Baseball, though, he was a big, he was a big USC fan before he started uh, covering the team. He's such a pro, he never let anybody know that. And uh, I ended up talking to his wife after the Rose Bowl last year. And sorry, Gary, if I'm, I'm letting people know this, but um, he would never, ever come off as a fan. And as a journalist, that's not what you're supposed to do. Uh, fan is short for fanatic, like Chip Brown pointed out in the previous segment. Um, you're covering a team. Um, you're supposed to be a professional. So I've, I had someone ask me on the way to the game, hey, where's your SC gear? I don't wear SC gear anymore. I went to USC undergrad, grad school, was a huge, huge, huge fan. That's why I started this website. But once you switch over to put on a journalism hat, um, I can't be out at a uh, high school game covering a prospect that USC is interested and be decked out in USC gear and, and ask them all about USC all the time. Like that's just not what you're supposed to do. Um, we actually sign... My old network, we used to sign paperwork that, we, you know, the, you know, all the stuff that you can't do. Um, when you get a credential from USC to cover practices and games, you sign all this stuff that you're not a booster, you're not, uh, you know, a season ticket holder, all that kind of stuff. You can't be any of that. So SC list, like to do this job, you really shouldn't be a fan. Uh, now, you know, I went there. It's like, it's not like I root against USC or anything. Uh, you know, in the back of your head. Yeah. Like, that's a school you went to, but you, you try to not let any of that come out in your reporting, uh, in your interviews. Um, you know, we, we're a little different. Like the LA Times covers, you know, all sports. We only cover USC. And so people call, I hate when people say it's a fan site. And my fact, it's not to me, that's a site by fans. And that's not what we're doing here. We're a site for fans. We're a site for USC fans and really college football fans. If you're interested in USC, we want to give you, the best coverage um, possible, but you know, situations you're not going to see me wearing USC stuff. Uh, they, you know, announced you can't cheer in the press box. Like there's rules that you have to follow if you want to be uh, in the sports media. And we try to follow them um, all. And we want to make sure. And for me being an engineer and not going to journalism school, that's the kind of stuff you would, you know, ethical stuff, things that you're supposed to do. Um, you know, I would, I have to kind of learn that on the fly. Like I, this turned into it from a hobby to a business for me and I took it all seriously. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to make sure, Hey, I'm doing everything the right way. Uh, you know, we worked really hard to make sure we were, you know, credentialed, uh, from USC sports information. And I think we've helped open up doors to a lot of people that are credentialed now that are in the online media. Um, online media wasn't really a thing. Now, obviously it is. And with, newspapers having so much, you know, struggling and laying off people, you know, we, we hire people that were laid off from newspapers, you know, Dan Weber, uh, he was a newspaper guy for a long, long time. And, you know, now he writes for us. And we, we've seen that across the board where websites are, you know, we're this niche play. Um, but we are, you know, very successful at what we do because it's local. It's like having a local paper that just covers the team you like. So, you know, there are jobs there for journalists that, maybe would have poo-pooed the internet early on, but that's where uh, you can work and that's where you can, you know, work on your craft and, 
and get your message out and write and, and obviously get paid for it. So, um, kind of a long answer there, but people, you know, they'll ask this stuff a lot. They don't kind of get that. Um, there's stuff we just, uh, can't do. And to be honest, like that was such a huge part of my life. What, you know, why I started the site. I loved writing. I loved college football. I loved going to USC games and, and, and being critical and writing about it and all that kind of stuff. And I thought it was pretty funny at it. And I would send newsletters to my like college, uh, you know, friends from college or, you know, back home from high school and everything. I always enjoyed doing that. Didn't quite understand, um, you know, what it would turn into. But once it did turn into a business and, and you have to stop like something that was very passionate for me, uh, you kind of have to just back away from it, you know? Um, and that's, you know, it's hard. And it, I think it's hurt me as being a sports fan in general. Uh, you know, I was a big Steeler fan and stuff growing up and, you know, I still like the Steelers and I can cheer for them and Penguins and Pirates, the, the Pittsburgh teams. But you, I was, I, I feel like I was a passionate fan before and I'm just not anymore. And that's probably because from being in the media for so long, there's something that's just kind of lost there. So it's a little bit of a shame. And, you know, people, you know, they love the, the passion I had when I would go to SC games and all that kind of stuff. It was a huge, huge, huge part of my life. Um, and obviously it still is now because you're covering it, but it's a very different, uh, part of your life. So, um, SC list in Seattle, just to kind of answer your question, I think, um, you know, you get people that cover teams. I think you can't, you get close to these teams and a lot of people, even if you like, you didn't go to USC and you're covering the team now you get, you know, there's an attachment there too. There, you get to know these players and it's not like, you know, if, unless you don't like them for some reason. I think in the back of your mind, yeah, you'd like to see the team that you cover do well. It's more fun for you because you're, you know, you'd rather cover the Rose Bowl than the, you know, the Emerald Bowl or things like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's different across the board, but just in general, that's kind of what we have to follow as members of the media. There's just certain things we can and can't do. And openly being a fan, um, is not allowed. And it could be an NCAA violation if you're doing it and around prospects and things like that. So you could actually get the school in trouble. Um, you know, if I went to a high school game wearing all SC stuff and was telling, uh, some prospect why I love USC and you should do this. Like that's all a no, no, you can't do any of that stuff. And that's actually a violation, uh, an NCAA violation. So USC makes us sign all the stuff that we're not doing that. Not to recruits in that way, um, to be credentialed in the media. So hopefully that answered the question. All right. Whew. All right. Uh, for it's still before nine in the morning and my voice is almost gone, bunch of radio and the podcast and stuff, but you know, good stuff. Hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed it. Um, we're going to have even one more podcast with, uh, uh, family feud with Keely and shotgun coming up a little bit later today. So, uh, not to, well, later today, or I think it'll be on Friday. So stay tuned for that. Uh, hope you guys all, uh, enjoy the USC Texas game. Hope you've enjoyed all of our coverage here on the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 